Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. I'm Rebecca Lawrence and this is Voices. In this set of interviews, I will be focusing on issues of inclusion, diversity and allyship through intimate conversations with wine industry professionals from all over the globe. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps us cover equipment, production and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast with me, Rebecca Lawrence. Today, we've an awesome episode. I'm joined by A.D. Smith, TV presenter, journalist, and advocate for acceptance and diversity in the drinks industry. Uh, welcome to the podcast, A.D. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here and lovely to see you face to face as well. <gasps> yes, loving the new video format. <laughs> um, so before we get started, uh, for those listeners who might not be aware of who you are. Uh, first of all, shame on you listeners. Second of all, maybe you could introduce yourself to them, tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do, and of course, your amazing show, The Three Drinkers. Oh, thank you. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you so much for listening. I'm A.D. Smith, and I'm a TV presenter for a show on Amazon Prime called The Three Drinkers. It's basically a travel show where we go all around a particular country and check out the people, the places, the food, the drink, the culture, but we put entertainment before all of the education of booze. So you won't find as many swirling glasses and tasting notes, but you will find us checking out really intriguing garnishes. I nearly took my eye out on a piece of rosemary once that I set on fire as a garnish. It's all quite fun, entertaining, and you just come with us along the journey. Aside from that, I am a journalist, so I write for The Independent and do their Wine and Spirits column. I work with Vivino as their global brand ambassador. We've just hit over 50 million users across the world, which is insane. And I do a lot to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, so specifically right now Tourette's syndrome, which is something that I've had since the age of seven, and debunking the myths of it. Like, you know, only 6% of people with Tourette's syndrome swear, whereas people think in the mass media that that is the quintessential definition of Tourette's syndrome, but it's not. So yeah, I'm, I'm just one drink-loving, lifestyle, travel, luxury, gadget, booming you know, person. I love a bit of everything, and I cannot wait to get back out there and eat in some of the amazing restaurants and cocktail bars that we have. Yeah, it's been a weird, a weird year for those of us who travel a lot, I think, that suddenly not not doing that and trying to find other ways to keep engaged with the audiences. I mean, you've been doing a lot of stuff on Instagram, which is super cool. Yeah, I think that as well to see how the world has evolved. And I'd like to think that some of the things we've seen, such as cocktails being delivered and, you know, food, whole food dishes that are delivered to people at the weekends or for Sunday lunch. I hope that continues because sometimes people do want to just chill at home and not go out to a restaurant. And that's totally cool. So for these restaurants to capitalize on that, you know, continuing to do so once we come out of lockdown would be amazing. Yeah, I think that's been a really positive thing, seeing that adaptation happening of people thinking about a more agile way to approach their businesses, particularly with things like, yeah, within the drinks industry, having that kind of takeaway cocktail, being able to have that delivered to your door, that just gives you such a a kind of added extra. I think that's really been positive. It, it absolutely is. It's like, it's weird because it's like a premature evolution of the world. And we're going to go, I'm not going to say back to how things were because we're absolutely not, because there's been so many pivotal, quintessential changes that have taken place in the world. But what I think this situation will have done, if there's even one positive thing we can say out of it, is it's made people think a little bit more about their businesses and how they need to be, you just use the word there, agile um, into the future and coming up with these new ways of doing things. And that is so inspirational. It really is. It shows the skill and quality that people have when they think like that. 
It, it really does. And I'm so glad you used the term inspirational there because that, that allows me to segue quite neatly. <laughs> Love a good segue, don't we? Oh, those good, those good segues. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to latch onto that because you are a very inspirational figure. You are a proud representative of the LGBTQ community, a great advocate in the industry as well. Um, and however, uh, not everyone has responded quite so positively to your sexuality and to your support of the community and LGBTQ drinks industry professionals. So how have you kind of dealt with that? Does it dampen your love for the industry? Because you're such a positive person that I can't imagine it has, and yet it must be quite a lot to deal with. I think that we always try and put on a front face of happiness and strength, but what happens behind closed doors does also happen and and it is a reality. And I make sure across social media to be real as well and tell people about the good as well as the bad that happens. You know, there've been certain circumstances over time where people have made a dig at me for being homosexual. There have been people who have been, you know, condescending when it comes to disabilities and the sensitivities within that. And I'd say generally the drinks place is, or the drinks industry is a very loving industry. You know, in all industries, there's going to be some terrible people who just don't get it. And they've had their own life challenges, which has made them the way they are. So I wouldn't call them terrible people. I just say their way of thinking is not maybe the best. And then you've got some people who are absolute gems. And, you know, I remember specifically, if we were to talk about the UK wine trade, I came fresh off of a plane, went to the London Wine Fair, and I met a wonderful woman called Emma Wellings, who'd never met me before. Emma Wellings is a PR individual, a very successful, wonderful woman. And she just took me in and embraced me, having no idea who I was whatsoever. And she she's such an inspirational figure in terms of just so all-encompassing and welcoming. So she, on one hand, is, you know, everything that I love and adore about this industry, and then on the other side of it, you've got certain individuals who, you know, have certain views, um, bigotry views, whatever, and they are the ones who who taint it for everyone else. But I think we have to look above and beyond those situations and think to ourselves, what can we do to make this industry a better place? And that is by being so much more inclusive. That is by being, you know, supporting other people, spreading happiness and awareness across everything that we do. And I often say to people, you know, after COVID, not even after COVID, right now, when you're walking to the supermarket or you're going wherever on your daily walk, smile at someone because you have no idea. And, and even like, even though you've got a face mask on, smile because your eyes, you can see your eyes kind of elevate and you have no idea how much an impact like that will make on someone. And every single time you see a homeless person, lock eyes and smile, even if you've got nothing for them, just acknowledge the fact that they're there. So, you know, taking this thinking of... <laughs> coming above and beyond in the drinks industry. And I know I've, I've totally diversified out of this subject, but, but just basically be happy and do good. And if you see bad things happening, then say something about it or make it a positive spin, you know? Yeah, this positive spin is something that just, like, it really does just ooze from you, which I love. I mean, and I I really like the way that you've talked about your Tourette's as being your superpower. So you've you've reframed something that, you know, you grew up with being told was a disadvantage, something that was negative, something that's made you stand apart from other people. And you've taken it to be something that is a thing of empowerment. Uh, and I think this is incredible. And how did you manage to come to this approach? And, and do you think it's helped other people in the industry maybe think about how they deal or approach the subject of people with quote unquote disabilities. 
I think that's that is an amazing question. Thank you so much for bringing that up as well, because it gives me the opportunity to share a little bit more about what Tourette syndrome is with people too. And I think first and foremost, awareness is everything. Now, Tourette syndrome is where you have either a vocal or a movement tick, and you essentially have to have two or more of each over a longitudinal period of time for it to be defined as Tourette syndrome. But there are people with tick disorders as well. And you know, when you're growing up, a lot of teenagers will have tick disorders. In fact, one out of every 100 kids has either Tourette syndrome or one form or some form of tick disorder. And that's the same amount as individuals with autism as well. So, you know, it's not an isolated thing. There are a lot of people out there who have it. Growing up in school, I was the only person who had visible ticks. And you get diagnosed usually around the age of five to eight. That's typically where your brain is evolving, something's happening, and the ticks begin, and your family notice. So you go and check it out. And during that time, yeah, I got bullied a hell of a lot at school because it was so unknown. And I remember when I was, I just got into senior school. So I think I was 12 years old. And 12 to 17 is the worst part because this is where you begin to notice everything around you. You have awareness and your reputation matters and where you fit in society within that school system matters. And I remember speaking to the headmaster of the school and saying, can you tell everyone in assembly, all a thousand students, that what my name is, that I have this thing called Tourette syndrome, what it is, and hopefully that will enable people to you know, stop the, the bullying and the picking up on it. Because if we don't know what something is, we talk about it and we say something about it in jest. If we do, then perhaps we're a bit more educated to, to not say something. That could have gone one of two ways. I could have been bullied massively or it could have stopped. And thankfully, 95% of all of the bullying stopped. And the remaining 5% of people, we're going to find people like that in life anyway, who feel the need to, to pick on others. But it was that kind of, that was a spur uh, moment for me. And what I realized from doing that is that you've got to have courage when, when you have something which is affecting your day-to-day life. You have to, well, you've got one of two options. You either curl up in a ball and sit in a dark room and you have a, a sad life, or you fight as hard as you can to try get out of it with whatever means you can. And I chose that route. Yeah, I was going to say that's incredibly brave of you to take that that move. So you know, early on in in kind of your you know ad- adult life, as it were, your early adult life. That's incredibly brave. Thank you. It, it was daunting, and I'd say that people with Tourette syndrome have a lot of excess energy, and it's that energy that goes into our ticks. And I refer to my superpower as channeling all of that excess energy into what I love doing. And so it's the businesses that I run, it's the projects that I do. It's and, and if I do that, you know, you'll notice that my ticks on camera here will be minimal because I'm focusing on this conversation and I have a passion for it. And yeah, people with Tourette syndrome, when they can find that true passion and channel that energy into it, they can become unstoppable in whatever field they want. You know, examples like Billie Eilish, for example. I mean, she's got Tourette syndrome, and only in the past two years have people really noticed that. And, but, you know, I think there's, there's other things people don't realize about it. As I said before, a lot of people think it's just swearing and it's not, you know, if I get an injury, let's say I hurt my arm, I will develop a twitch or a tick in my arm. It's the first thing that will happen and I will need to move that arm or something and that will stop the healing process. So my injury will last for a lot longer. Think about trying to sleep. If you've had a difficult day as someone who doesn't have Tourette's and your mind won't switch off, now imagine that your tics are really bad in bed. And the minute you're just about to zoo and snooze off, 
you know, you get a twitch and it wakes you up again. So it's, there are difficulties that, you know, people just don't know about. And one of my missions is to try and make people aware that it's not just the first line of a comedy act. It's a real thing, you know? Yeah. I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be for you to have dealt with everything that's happening in the, you know, current situation, because, you know, you're not presumably able to channel things in quite the same way. And yet you've got a global apocalypse happening. Like, great. Thanks for that. Like universe. Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I've tried to channel it into whatever we can do. We've, we've pivoted as a business and, and done a lot more digitally, but also spreading the love. I've done a lot of press work for the Tourette community and you know, mental health. I did a whole campaign around different ways to reduce your anxiety. It was called Mind, Sense and Soul. And I did that with my amazing, like my, my work wife, my soulmate, Helena Nicklin, um, who is just, you know, she makes, she makes what we do just such a wonderful thing. It's amazing when you find your soulmate and you have the perfect chemistry. It makes such a difference to everything that you do. It really does. And yeah, your your superpower is making it clear to me now how how it's possible that you just do so much because you're always doing stuff. <laughs> like every time I see you on social media or something pops up in my feed, there's you know there's another article written, there's another piece of media done. It's incredible. So yeah, I can see why it is a superpower. <laughs> and one of the things talking about like new approaches, one of the things I really like and have appreciated about having your voice in the industry is that you're someone who is pushing for diversity and inclusion that isn't just limited to the communities that you're specifically a part of. Uh, You know, it's not just working for the Tourette community or for, you know, the LGBTQ community. You know, you are truly kind of an equal opportunities, equal opportunities person. Um, And you've been working a lot to promote the BAME community, supporting mentoring programs. And, you know, I want to bring up Glassmates because I love those guys. So tell us a little bit about the other inclusion projects that you're also working on. Absolutely. So, you know, and I think that it's often the case that we do have our niche based on what we are involved in, but that opens our eyes culturally and, and you know, diversifyingly. That's not even a word, but I'm going to use it to everything else that's going on. And, you know, I'm doing quite a lot now in terms of being a female ally in terms of, of recent times. And this is very, very current, all the stuff that has just come out recently. Um, you know, men do need to do a better job of being responsible for what is happening in the world. And I posted something recently about not all men using that hashtag to turn it around and say, well, actually, all men need to be responsible for what's happening. And it's so telling that, you know, 70% of the people who comment across both men and women are, this is great, you know, perfect, this is the right message. Then, you know, 30% of people, the vulgarities or the vulgar nature of what they respond in, in, you know, coming through. And it just goes to show. So that messaging is totally right. We need to be creating more education around that. So that's one particular thing that I've got over here that, and I've got plans to be more outspoken about being a female ally over here. And in terms of diversity of ethnicity, I mean, that's another, again, blessing out of COVID really. Um, You know, COVID has had these horrible things that have happened, but equally it's opened the door to conversations that have been too, what's the word, people have been too afraid to have. And I often say to people, if you're doing something to help those with disabilities, LGBTQIA or, you know, ethnicities, whatever it might be, talk about it. Don't think, oh, if I'm talking about it, I'm just, I'm window dressing. I'm just flying a flag and saying, oh, I've ticked that box. No, talk about how passionate you are about it because 
all that will do is make other people realize that they need to do the same thing. When we had the latest series of our podcast, we specifically asked the, an, an amazing trio of guys called The Glassmates to be a part of that and have a segment in each of the different podcast episodes. So The Glassmates are a trio of guys, they're black dudes, and they are phenomenal. They are the most humble, wonderful, knowledgeable people who you can meet in this industry. And they're, they're like tidbits of info they have and little whimsical stories for everything from tequila to rum to whiskey to, you know, is fascinating. And so on one hand, we've been getting them involved on that side. And then on the other side of things, we decided to team up with Jancis Robinson in a mentorship program. And so we're going to be working with Syrah, who's come on board and we'll basically in about a month or so be figuring out a program as to how we can support her this year. And, you know, what does she want out of the wine industry? How can we help? support that really i have to say like i as i mentioned to you before the record have briefly worked with glassmates about four years ago and they were just starting out and they just blew my mind with like you say the amount of knowledge the passion for what they did they're just unstoppable and we did you know a small event with them with some like whiskey and rum pairings developing some cocktails and it was just so cool to see these guys interact with everyone because it wasn't what people expect from the industry because, you know, they they look different to a lot of what is coming out of the industry. They speak differently. They present differently. And it's like, no, there's there's a whole market here. Like you're just ignoring people who are already available and doing this thing and incredibly knowledgeable. And to see their growth and the way they've expanded, and like you say, to see that all coming together with other members of the community is just such a positive thing that I think has come out of the last couple of years. Like, It's beautiful. It really is. And I'd say to anyone who's listening, if you want to learn more about these topics, then they have something called distance dramming every Friday. Oh, yes. I think it's 7pm or 8pm, I think. You'd have to check on their feed, but at Glassmates UK, I believe is their handle. And honestly, I just, I'll tune in. You know, sometimes on Friday, I have a bath. It's like my bath time because you can have a bath whenever the hell you want right now. I'll just sit there and I'll be like, you're right, guys, I'm just in the bath. And like, oh God, why did you tell us that? (laughs) With, with your little bit of whiskey, whiskey in the bath with those guys. There you go. Oh yeah. Good. What's a good whiskey bath cocktail? A nice whiskey sour with a bit of raspberry in it and extra chilled. Oh yeah. It's got to be a sour because it's got to have that like frothy top like a bath does. Yes. Oh my God. The bubbles. Genius. Absolute genius. Okay. And a rubber duck at the top. We've got to have a little rubber ducky in there. There we go. I think we're onto something new now, bath garnishes. Our producers are going to kill me because I've completely derailed us now thinking about cocktails. It's, it's not even Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless. But I guess to, to summarize that, you know, if we have our foot in one door of diversity, but we can see ways in which we can utilize that thinking to help others, then let's do it because it's not all just about our little niche. It's about making the world a better place for everyone. So instead of focusing on just one thing, if you have the ability to focus on others, do it. And to anyone listening, you know, if you have your own podcast or blog or website or whatever it might be, have a little think to yourself over the past year, what diversity have I welcomed into this? And if you're struggling to think of people who you have, then start thinking about a bit more and bring someone in who flies the flag for some kind of diversity to just support other folks. That's such a great piece of advice. And, and now I'm, I'm really beginning to reflect on it already in my head. Um, and I was going to ask, actually, if, because I know many people, myself included, I will hold my hand up, worry about offending, using the wrong language, not knowing the right language, 
are struggling to know how to be a good ally, how to make this industry and just, you know, the world in general, a more positive and open place. And as you are such a positive and effective communicator, I was hoping that maybe you could share for myself and our listeners, how they can work to aid diversity and inclusion in the industry. What, what should we be doing? I think first and foremost, if you are worried about using the correct words, talk to someone who is part of that community and just say, hi there, I I want to see what I can do to help, but I'm worried that I'm using the wrong words and I don't want to offend. How would you advise word this? If I use these words, do you think it's okay? I don't want to have backlash. And then once you know, you know, if there are any parameters and some people will be more sensitive to certain words than others. And that, that's something we're always going to come against. If your intentions are good in terms of wanting to help and you've done your learning or education as much as you can do, then then go with it. And we're always, whatever we do, even me talking about Tourette syndrome, I have on very small occasions offended some people who have Tourette syndrome. And there's nothing we can do about that because everyone just thinks a little bit differently. But as long as the intention is there to try and help, then, then that's one thing. In terms of people being afraid, really, once we've crossed that first step, we have to go out there and, and just shout about what we're doing. And not in a, hey, look what I'm doing, but here's how we can support. People should be supporting more. Here's what we've done to support. And if you can take that approach, then it looks a lot less like you're just flying a flag, but you're actually trying to make a difference in advising others on what they can do. Sadly, pressure is the only way to make change. And if you come forward with this positivity, it will only positively pressure other people to also make change. So that would be my advice. I really like that phrase of like positive pressure. That's really nice. So you're just always taking stuff and making it into a positive. (laughs) I love it. I, sh- I shall uh, I shall try and take that into my interactions because I'm definitely like I think a lot of people in the industry trying to to be a better ally to everyone as as someone who's in a relatively privileged position of being you know a white female like which is weird to think that that's a privileged position but it definitely has privilege in in relation to other things because it's all relative. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, and I think similarly for myself as well, being a, a white man. I mean, you know, we we absolutely have privilege. And to give just a wider example of what we're talking about, I am not a woman. And as wanting to be a female ally, the first thing that I wanted to do was talk to my whole community across Instagram. And I said to, to all the females, did a little question and said, what does being a good male ally mean to you? You know, my f- wonderful female community, please answer this. Please help me out here. And I had a shed load of different people get in touch and say, and I then turned that into an informative post that has gone out there into Instagram. And a lot of people have seen and can hopefully, you know, be educated from. So don't guess, do your research is is smart and don't don't assume to know that you feel how someone else feels you've got to listen to understand and uh, try and appreciate what they're going through um, and you know as as a woman you will have been subject to various different things throughout your life that some of which you will know about and other things that have just become so subconscious to you on a daily basis you wouldn't even think about and i think one thing that i will say about being a good male ally is it's not just about listening that is an integral part but it, and you know it, it's about when a woman says something to you where you think they're undermining their self because of what they've been subjected to for so many years, you have to correct them and say, actually, no, you're stronger than that for these reasons. Don't think about that in this way because of X, Y, Z. And it's about, once again, empowering women because you know, you, you've know you been through these norms of society which have, have become normalized that shouldn't have been. You know, 
e.g. someone say, oh, I know I run like a girl. What, so what, what does that mean? You know, to run like a girl, it's not a negative thing. I know some incredibly talented athletes who are females. So it's, I guess it's all these different ways of thinking. And we're only beginning to touch the surface of that particular topic now to see what we can do to help. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll give an example. And someone once said to me, I was working with a chef and, and he said, oh, you know, that took some real balls to do that. And I just turned around and said, mate, I don't need balls. I've got a vagina. Do you know how tough that muscle is and he was just like wait and I was like because the language you've used without even thinking about it and like he was so taken back and he's like wow that's that's really cool and he like responded really positively to me picking him up on something that's just such a throwaway comment so yeah like you say there's all this ingrained language in how we speak and how we approach all sectors of different parts of society and like you say listening for it actively and calling it out when you hear it, whether it's, you know, someone putting someone else down or someone doing it to themselves without realizing it is a really good point. And I think also there's that element of recognizing that like one size doesn't fit all, even with inclusion, like one approach isn't going to work for everyone, even in one quote unquote community, you know, one approach isn't going to work for the whole of women or for the whole of the gay community. It's just not like that. So beginning to understand that and listen for that, I think is a really good point. So before I let you go, <laughs> uh, this is the Italian wine podcast after all. So I really wanted to ask you if there was a particular Italian wine that resonates for you, or perhaps a spirit. We've talked a little bit about spirits and hopefully the team won't kill me if I bring up spirits because I'm a big fan. So I will leave that to you. But is there something particular in the Italian drinks world that takes your fancy? Do you know what? I absolutely adore. And a lot of people look and frown upon this great variety, but they absolutely shouldn't. Honestly, Zinfandel and Primitivo have always been my quintessential, absolute first love grapes. And in Europe, Primitivo in Puglia was the, one of the first press trips I went on. And then I lived in San Francisco for about four years. So I was frequently, you know, enamored with some great Zins. And so in terms of an Italian grape variety, Primitivo, I've absolutely fallen in love with it. I've got my mum to fall in love with it. it. You know, if you look at my Vivino account, I've um, had more Zinfandel than anything else. And I just think it's such a versatile grape variety. And in the same way that, you know, if we look at Argentinian Malbecs, for example, you've got all the different regions within Argentina. And the Malbecs are so very different based on those different regions. It's the same way with Primitivo. It's not a one-fits-all situation. There are some which are a lot more elegant. There are some which are a lot more refined. There are some which are bigger and bolder, some which are jammier. And there's just so much for everyone there. So I would say that if you've not given Primitivo a decent chance because of the stigma associated with it as being a cheap wine, think again because there's some bloody good examples. I'm I'm going to have to go and hunt out a bottle now because it's it's been a little while since I had a Primitivo and I, I need to rekindle the love for it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just it's been tainted a bit by the fact that there are some cheaper versions of Primitivo out there. And we shouldn't, you know, segregate those who are doing a really damn good job producing some exceptional bottles. So spread the Primitiva, love people. See, equal opportunities drinker as well. Boom. <laughs> A.D. Smith, thank you so much for joining me on the Italian Wine Podcast today. Where can our listeners find you online, on social media? Where should they be going? Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here and chat with you. And if anyone dares to, to follow me and see what's going on in this head, uh, you can do so at Sipped on Instagram, which is S-Y-P-P-E-D, because someone took the I version already. Oh. <laughs>
We will make sure to link to that in our post and in the show notes. Thank you to everyone for listening. Don't forget to follow us on social media, subscribe, and of course, donate on the website to make sure we can keep these great conversations flowing. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin. Cin cin.